You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. As we launch into the fall season, we're so excited about what God is doing in our church. We are entering the season where um, our church serves and uh, works with foster care community. It's a season where we circle up and support each other um, in our spiritual growth through groups, uh, where we gather on Sundays uh, and learn and grow in the way of Jesus. Um, And we've got new ministries that are launching. We have a really cool new ministry that's launching um, for our middle school. And there's just so many cool things that are happening. And I want you to know that that we're also excited in this season because we're currently looking for a building to call home. We have a team right now that's looking for the right place for us, and um, we would appreciate your prayers for this team and our church as we seek a permanent place, a, a place of brick and mortar that's already built that we can move into. We imagine a place that we could do ministry seven days a week. Right now, we, we're just renting space for a few hours on Sunday, and we just uh, imagine what could happen through our church and in our church if we had a place to call home that we could do ministry um, seven days a week and serve the community seven days a week, a place where we could cultivate the creative ministries God has already given our church, and a place where we could support more of the amazing things God will give us to do in the future, some of the ministries that he'll grow um, that have yet to be started. We're just so excited about that. And with that in mind, we want to also prepare ourselves to be ready and financially strong to be able to purchase that place that God has for us, um, to be ready for that moment. And so your regular financial generosity and partnership is really important right now. It'll help us as a church family be strong and ready financially for that moment. And so today, uh, I wanted to encourage our church on that journey and Uh, teach on our approach to generosity and financial partnership within our church. We believe everyone is on a generosity journey. You know, I think most people want to be generous, not selfish. And since humans are made in the image of God, there's this, I think, desire to reflect God, the giver of all life, to actually reflect that love and generosity to the world. John 3.16 captures the essence of God's generous love. It says, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. He, God gave up his best even when humanity was giving its worst. And despite our inner and outward battles with selfishness and greed and consumption, I really think every person does have a desire to become generous. And we believe everyone is on that journey, a journey of generosity. And if that's true, then generosity is a step of faith, or actually many steps of faith, and every step matters to God. And we've noted at least three major steps of generosity. There's probably many, many steps, but three major steps of generosity on many people's journey with Jesus. And these three steps we would kind of call, well, these. The first step is percentage giving. The second is priority giving, and the third is progressive giving. So on the first step, we call percentage giving, giving to God and his kingdom. 
this is that step of faith where somebody chooses to regularly give a percentage of our budget first to God before anything else. And this teaches us to start growing in our faith and trusting God, and it makes an impact for the kingdom through our dollars. Um, so picking out a percentage, even if it's a really small percentage, you're, you're beginning to uh, say set this aside for God first. Giving first to God reminds us that God first gave to us. A Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Regular generosity is an expression of honor and worship that reminds us that God is the giver of everything we have and that we're creating a community of generosity and sharing together. Um, I just think that's beautiful that we're reflecting God, not only individually, but together. The second step in the generosity journey is priority giving. Um, Priority giving is for Christians who start with the tithe. The word tithe literally means tenth or 10%. A tithe is the first tenth or 10% of your income um, that gets given toward your faith community or church family. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Tithing teaches us to prioritize God first in our hearts. Again, the Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's Deuteronomy 14. Jesus himself affirms the importance of the tithe. In Matthew 23, 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, he's talking to the religious who are struggling with some hypocrisy, and he says this, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest incomes from your herb gardens, But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, says Jesus, but do not neglect the more important things. So we see Jesus affirming the grace of tithing, but but more as uh, the training wheels for a life of generosity. In fact, the way Jesus is talking about tithing is like uh, tithing is, is, is is the training wheels of trust, a life of trust with God. A life that does both personal responsibility, like, hey, I'm going to be responsible for myself and I'm going to learn to trust the Lord and with my community and with my faith community. I'm going to have personal responsibility and community responsibility. That we can't, we have to hold both of those. That Jesus is saying, yeah, you got to tithe, but don't forget like mercy and justice and compassion. And we want to be a church that does both. And we want to be people who do both those things. Giving from a perspective of grace in the New Testament is so important. In the New Testament, it's it's not teaching us to give less than tithes. Grace doesn't just like say, hey, you don't need to be generous anymore. uh, The tithe, again, it becomes more like training wheels for us. It's the floor of giving, not the ceiling. It's training us to live a generous life. And that's true about any of the rules that we see in Scripture. It's not like Bible doesn't have like certain rules from the Old Testament or even some of the New Um, so that people just become really good rule followers. It's so that we can learn to to live lives of generosity, love, and justice. And so it's the rules are, the Christian life is way bigger than rules. Rules are usually just those things that help us get started. And the New Testament opens up this world of grace that pushes us into becoming more than we ever thought we could be. Now, the third step is this, progressive giving. 
Progressive giving looks like progressively increasing your tithes and offerings over and above the 10% tithe. Some people uh, at some point in their faith get, are ready for this. Some people, they just they have this gift immediately. They just have a gift of generosity. I, I love in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says, but since you excel in everything, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. The New Testament's a grace. It's a gift of giving. The Bible encourages us to give beyond the tithe, but it's never out of guilt or pressure, but always as an expression of worship. Offerings, since they aren't required, reflect the generosity in our hearts. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 13. The journey starts with the heart. God cares about the state of your heart. He knows that our resources, especially time and money, indicate the state of our hearts. And that's why we want to always encourage people to take a next step in their generosity journey. And But to do that, not out of compulsion, but out of joy, at your timing, uh, not someone else's timing, and to really seek the Lord on this. And again, the reason I think it's so important to always keep an eye on that journey and growth and generosity, whatever step you are ready to take, it's a hard issue. It's an issue of the heart. Matthew 6.21 says this, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So wherever your treasure goes, your heart flows. Jesus taught that we follow and focus on where our money and our resources go. Our resources, time, our talent, our treasure, it flows like water. So where are your resources flowing? And what do our resources say we are following? Generosity is about our hearts. Wherever our treasure goes, our hearts flow. And so generosity is a journey of the heart. Now, sometimes or many times there are barriers that keep us from growing on the journey, on the journey of generosity, from taking a step forward or a half step forward, whatever that might look like. And although we want to be generous, we often struggle with practicing that desire. Let me ask you, what do you think are some of the key barriers that people face in becoming generous or taking steps of generosity? in our churches, and also in our world, in our communities, just being generous people in general. Have you ever thought, when I get more, then I'll give more? This can be a barrier for some people. We can often get caught in the trap that if, like kind of thinking that if, if I made it, if I got a lot of money like that person, then I would really start giving. I'd be able to be way more, way easier. It's easier for that person, but it's hard for me because I'm, I haven't made it. I don't have enough. And since I don't have a lot, and since I don't make what that person makes, I just can't give. The truth is, if you had more, you probably wouldn't be giving more because you're not giving now. Don't get caught in the deception that generosity starts when we have more and we have lots. No, generosity, remember, it's a heart issue. Generosity starts now. It's an attitude of the heart. It's not about how much. It's an attitude of just how we hold what we have. And it starts now, whether we have a lot or a little. It's really easy to get caught in that. I would give more if I had more vortex, um, especially if 
we're constantly comparing ourselves to people who have more. But here's the thing. Wherever you're standing, there's always someone farther up the chain, someone who has more or you think has more and has less has less problems than you you have or I have. And we get caught in that comparison game. And that actually can become a huge barrier to actually just beginning to give now, to start somewhere. Stop comparing yourselves to others. Practice trusting Jesus and where he's leading you with generosity right now. And don't get caught up in the when I get more, I'll give more deception. When we give now, we train ourselves to give more in the future and to live a generous life here and now. You know, another thing that can come up is, have you ever felt or heard, man, I won't give unless it feels natural and authentic? Often people don't want to start or practice um, anything that doesn't feel authentic first. Man, I want to feel like this is natural before I do it. The problem with this type of thinking is this. No new practice feels natural and authentic at first. You cannot learn anything new if you're going to have to wait for it to feel natural and authentic. Think about it. Does learning a new language feel authentic? before we buckle down and begin learning that language. No, our mouths don't know how to form that way. We don't know the words. We don't know how to, you know, conjugate this. And we don't know what's that verb and what's this adverb. We don't know that stuff yet. And so it's uncomfortable and unnatural at first. It doesn't feel authentic. Does learning to walk feel authentic for a child before he or she knows how to walk? No, kids fall and fail and flail all over the place when they're learning how to walk. It's not authentic or natural. That's why they need to learn it. It's an essential skill, like learning how to walk is important for children. Well, how about prayer? Something we, you might you know, see as an essential practice for your faith. Does prayer feel authentic and natural if we've never prayed before? Maybe we're new to faith. We're beginning to learn. Does it feel natural to just like start praying to God if you've never done it before. You see, nothing worth learning feels authentic or natural before we learn it. Once in a while, there can be something that happens, but in general, it takes a lot of failures and falls and flailing to learn anything worth learning. And so it is with the practice of generosity. We got to get on the bike to learn how to ride it. We got to learn how to, to jump into generosity to learn how to be generous. Generosity takes practice. And as with any practice, learning to play the piano, learning a new language, learning a new sport, learning to pray, it grows as you practice it. Some people want a new virtue or practice to feel authentic before they practice it, and that'll never happen. Start practicing. Start now. Start where you're at. Fail, flail, and fall forward, but you will learn to be generous if you just trust and what Jesus has asked you to do. Another barrier or objection you may have heard or even felt is, and I don't trust the, the organization with my money. I don't trust what they're going to do with my money yet. You know, and, and I think there is a discernment piece to this. There's, there's a truth to that, that we really do need to, to wisely invest kingdom dollars, to wisely invest any dollars and anything that God has entrusted us with. 
And I think right now there's a lot of broken trust in organizations across the board in every sector where we see leaders and systems and failures and uh, people who have fallen down and uh, there's just broken trust. And I think there's a lot of mistrust towards churches and nonprofits in our world right now. It's, it's just a time where trust is really low. Um, and I think it's extremely important to find um, a, a church, um, a church family that is trustworthy, meaning worthy of your trust. One thing we do need to be careful of is if the narrative of our life becomes, I just can't give because I don't trust for everything and every situation and every church and every you know, moment that God gives us to be generous in church and in, the, in our communities and world. If that becomes our narrative, it actually becomes not only a bar- barrier, but an excuse for us to never practice generosity. It becomes a barrier that, that we're, where we have a built-in reason not to ever trust. So what I would encourage is rather than only looking for things to distrust, we also have to have eyes to discern what we can trust and what we should trust. Because if that narrative, I just can't trust, becomes the dominant one, it might be an internal barrier you have to contend with because there's never a place that's worthy for you to practice generosity with. I tell people, if, if you don't feel you can give to our church family, find a church family that you can give to. Grow in gener- generosity with them and feel the joy and see the impact of your generosity. Um, and if we are trustworthy, if the, uh, the mission, you love the mission, you love the vision, and you, you love the, the leadership and feel like it's worthy of your trust, don't let a narrative of distrust prevent you from growing in the grace and practice of generosity that Jesus leads us in and teaches us in. Two important steps to being able to practice and kind of break that narrative of distrust with finding places of, that are worthy of trust is spending time um, you know, really looking at an organization you feel is trustworthy and a church that you feel is trustworthy to partner with. I mean, in a church family, we're trusting each other to serve together. Oftentimes we've got kids or family that we're entrusting with other people. We want a place that we can we can trust. So how is the leadership and how do they handle um, um, ministry and uh, power and how do they how do they handle themselves and and really looking for something you feel oh, this, this is trustworthy. So does the organization have transparency and the integrity um, that you feel is worthy of your trust? Dig into that. Uh, the second thing is if you find an organization, a church family, a place, and this could apply to other fields too, nonprofits, other things, but specifically with church, if you find that church worthy of trust and you feel called to partner financially, will you actually take the step of consistent partnership? Your church family needs that. Like the kingdom grows when we do that. So will you actually take that step of trust? Another barrier for many people can be debt. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't mean that money's evil. Bible doesn't teach that um, money is evil. It's, it says the love of money is evil. The greed that when consumption starts taking over and our greediness and our selfishness takes over, that's not good. Um, but that can be other things too. Um, money can be a crushing debt 
and can lead us into a form of slavery in our lives. So rather than serving God with our money, we serve our money and then God kind of is like a, an add-on. And we don't want that. That's not the kind of life of freedom that Jesus wants us for. Uh, when we're slaves to debt, consumerism, and even greed, the need for more has this terrible effect on our souls and our spiritual life. We serve money and greed rather than God. We can't be generous when we, when we want to be because we're crushed by this debt enslavement. Our joy and our peace are stolen from us. And these things are, these are just a few of the effects. Jesus wants us to be free of that. If you're, you're crushed by debt right now, you know, don't suffer in isolation. Reach out for help with trustworthy people. You know, if you need help, reach, feel free to reach out to us. We have resources that can help you move out from under the crushing weight of debt and toward financial freedom, generosity, and sustainable stewardship. So a few questions might be, where are you on your generosity journey? And what barriers do you find are the biggest barriers for you to move through? What would it take to move through those toward trust, toward generosity, um, toward the practice. I'd really encourage you to give give yourself time to hear from the Lord on this, because sometimes there's hard issues that God is doing in us um, through our resources. And the more time you give to consider your, your commitment, I think uh, the more conviction we have when we're ready for that step of faith. Man, when we're generous, it, we see God move in amazing ways. Um, and remember, God is more interested in you trusting him than the amount that you're, you commit to giving to them than the step that you take of generosity. So spend time in prayer and, and also spend time if you've got family, you know, talking about this. I grew up in a family where sometimes we, we talked about money, but sometimes we didn't. And so I think it's important for our kids to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money. And even with our, our loved ones, our, our, our spouses or when it comes to money, that's really important to be on the same page. And it's a faith step. And we can be walking in faith together, having the same kind of vision and trajectory. It just creates a really powerful place of growth. As you process this, be considering the impact of your step of faith. I just want you to know, as you give faithfully, the world is changed for the glory of God through um, the church, which are filled with broken people, but people made in the image of God trying to follow Jesus. Um, the good news of Jesus is preached. The way of Jesus is lived. Um, lives are touched. People are fed. Bodies are healed. Churches can be built up as a community. Um, and in your community, like our cities and communities around us are built up as the church learns to be generous. And in turn, there's a blessing that we find as we practice generosity. I'm not talking about you know, kind of this quid pro quo with God, like we're trying to receive this this specific uh, blessing. But there's a blessing in the sense that like we're walking in in the way that Jesus has taught us to. And when we're walking in that way, there is a joy, there's a peace, and there's a, a new perspective on life. And there's just a change that happens in us, like internally. So take time to identify where you're at currently, and then decide what step you're going to take. Guys, I love you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. 
Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.